Podcast number four. Hello, guys. It's Jason Lee again. I don't think anyone was really interested all that much in the alcohol reactions one, so I'll try to make it uh, a little bit something more relevant to a broader audience. Now, one thing I commonly see are rashes in the clinic. And, of course, the two most common rash conditions that I see is atopic dermatitis or eczema, And the second most common uh, referral that I see is chronic urticaria or urticaria in general, which stands for hives. It's just a fancy word for hives. We love medical jargon as medical professionals. And I'm not sure why this is the case because it makes it seem like we're speaking a second language. But every field is guilty of this. Lawyers use their own legal jargon. Engineers use their own legal or own uh, engineering technical jargon. And as allergist immunologists, we are probably one of the worst offenders of using jargon. For example, as an immunologist, on the immunologist side, we use all sorts of weird terms like CD, CD whatever, CD113, CD117, blah, 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 interleukin 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And really, we could have just described them in a much more user-friendly way, but it is the way it is. Um, Part of my job in the podcast or what I hope to accomplish is to make things simpler. So yeah, let's talk about dermatitis. And it's kind of fitting because recently uh, I had editors of a journal, uh, for a general audience journal, say that this is not that important to the general medical community. But I happen to disagree. Um, So we try to write an article on atopic dermatitis. The, The common name for it is eczema. And the only thing you can call atopic dermatitis is actually eczema. Most eczema occurs in childhood and starts in childhood, uh, but some eczema and true atopic dermatitis can also start in adulthood as well. Dermatitis is a form or is sort of the umbrella term of all these subtypes of dermatitis. So you've got atopic dermatitis, you've got contact dermatitis, so on and so forth. There are many, many different types of dermatitis. But atopic dermatitis or eczema uh, if it uh, starts in childhood, there's a very specific pattern of where it affects, and in adults, there's a specific pattern of where it occurs on the body. So, usually, the constellation of findings are dry skin, itchy skin, uh, lesions on the skin uh, that we refer to as dermatitis, and again, atopic dermatitis refers more to a pattern and uh, profile. So. We find out that a lot of eczema is definitely based on some genetic predispositions. So it tends to run in families. There are certain gene mutations we've identified that determine how tightly woven your barriers of your skin cells are. So if you've got a little bit of a leaky barrier in your skin, the the glue or whatever, the the fasteners of the wall are not quite there, then you may be more prone to this because you lose moisture faster and things can come in and uh, irritate your skin a lot easier. So it just so happens, just to make everything more confusing, people with eczema are more prone to contact dermatitis, which is basically external exposure. It can be an allergic reaction, but more often than not, it's a chemical irritation. Uh, And there's a whole common list of common chemicals that can do this. Um, And, uh, you know, I'll just give you one that you may not be aware of uh, called erosiol, which is... uh, the chemical that causes a contact dermatitis, even if you don't have eczema uh, due to poison ivy. Now, poison ivy 
is not the only thing that contains roast oil. Other things have it as well. Things like hogweed and even your uh, friendly mango fruit has it on its skin. So some people will get a rash after eating a mango and uh, or if they have exposed to uh, or if they were exposed to. Sorry, my part, poor grammar multitasking here on the computer at the same time. So if you're exposed to your oil, you may get this as well. But let's talk about some of the uh, other itchy conditions. So the second most common thing that I see is urticaria. So chronic urticaria is by far and away the more common urticaria I see. So urticaria are hives, and people can get hives for a number of reasons. Uh, we used to have this old term called idiopathic urticaria, or you know the doctor is uh, you know maybe not so on the ball of what's causing this. It turns out that urticaria, especially if it's very chronic, can be associated or caused by autoimmune types. So then it turns out there's actually multiple different types, mainly uh, type 1 and type 2 autoimmune hives. So essentially, in a nutshell, it's possible that you're actually having an allergic reaction to your own body. This tends to have a very specific pattern of being worse in the evenings and first thing in the morning. The body's immune system actually activates at different uh, times of the day. So sometimes things are more active at night and just like the way you feel more miserable with a cold or infection, these things tend to be worse at night because it is an immune system mod uh, mediated thing. Now, other types of urticaria exist. We call these inducible ones. So, uh, you know, the best way to ask this question is, is there anything that you can do to create a hive? And some people have a phenomenon called dermographism, which is literally translated, again, more jargon for you, but in, in Latin, it means skin you can write on. So people are actually responding to the stroking of pressure on their skin. So you may uh, have uh, this to some degree yourself. Uh, everyone has it to some degree, but it becomes pathologic when it becomes symptomatic, meaning that it bothers you. Other forms are pressure-induced urticaria. These uh, tend to be worse where you wear your uh, bra if you're a woman or tight pants if you're a man or wear around your sock line. This is another very common type of physical trigger. You've got rare ones like cholinergic, which means in response to sweating or heat or cold or sunlight um, or vibration. These are other triggers of hives. Now, one of the common things that I see a lot, and it is one of the top medication-induced cause of hives, are people who take drugs like aspirin and Advil on a very frequent basis. So by virtue of how these medications work, we call these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Motrin is another example. Naproxen is another example. If you take these frequently enough, in some people, you'll start to develop hives and angioedema, or swelling of the lips tongue which, by the way, occurs in about 40% of patients who have hives to begin with. So that's the second most common thing. The tip-off or the difference between the two types of dermatitis, sorry, the two types of rashes I just talked about, uh, dermatitis tends to last long, so several days, if not weeks, uh, and it tends to leave dry, flaky skin, or we call it xerosis, more jargon for you. Uh, if it goes on for a while, it leads to a phenomenon called lichenification. Again, more jargon. just means thickening of the skin as a response to inflammation. It may also cause what we call post-inflammatory hyper or hypopigmentation, meaning that your, this color of your skin changes 
depending on uh, what response your body's chosen to take. Hives, on the other hand, tend to last uh, hours, minutes, and definitely less than a day in most cases. When hives last more than a few days, we worry about more serious conditions, uh, and those are tend to be not so itchy. They tend to be more burning in nature. Now, some of the other uh, referrals I get for itchy lesions are other conditions that mimic either of these two. But, you know, please keep in mind that not everything that's itchy and a rash on your skin is because of an allergy. In fact, uh, most of the time, although there's an association with some allergies with uh, eczema and possibly with urticaria, it's usually not from a primary allergy source. We're finding out more and more that it's, uh, there's more and more types of autoimmune uh, hives or urticaria, for example. So hopefully I haven't bored you to death with jargon by now, because uh, I'm going to talk about some of the other frequent things I see. Sometimes what I see is things like um, that look like hives, last a little bit longer, but they occur in rows of threes. This is a very classic lunch, or sorry, I should say breakfast, lunch, and dinner pattern of bed dog bites. So we have a, a outbreak of these in uh, Toronto right now, so. A lot of patients I see actually have these uh, bed bug uh, bites and it becomes uh, quite annoying um, because patients are very frustrated, it's very hard to get rid of, and a lot of people I see are in complete denial about having bed bugs. But you know, anyone can get it, it doesn't speak to your high, uh, hygiene standards or anything like that, it's just the luck of the draw. And if you live in a high-rise building, if your neighbor has it, uh, there's a good chance that uh, things can sort of migrate over. Now, there are some serious skin conditions that can cause a very itchy skin. So a very severe form of contact dermatitis from poison ivy can cause a blistering lesion. Uh, drug reactions can also cause itchy uh, hive-like rashes or something we we'll call morbilliform. Again, more jargon just to say measles-like. These are very pinpoint small red dots that are kind of itchy. Now other serious conditions, uh, there's a whole host of them that can arise. So it's best to see a qualified individual like myself or a, a good uh, dermatologist to just figure out what's really going on. Uh, occasionally we do need a biopsy just to confirm because not all rashes look the same in everyone. Um, you know, in particular, here's my plug about uh, uh, different textbooks not being representative. Uh, there's a lot of uh, textbooks that exist out there. I thought of making one a color atlas myself for a while uh, just to show the different rashes and different color pigments because the rash appearances can look very different in different individuals. Um, occasionally, there's a nodular uh, thing that occurs on the skin. I was going to say lesion, but I'm trying to avoid jargon called perigonodularis, which is also very itchy and you form nodules from uh, itching and scratching. There's all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful uh, tinea or fungus that can grow on the skin that causes red rashes. These tend to be not as itchy, but can be itchy sometimes. And I do see this in my clinic uh, referred for hives or some other condition. And you know, hopefully uh, this helped you on your journey to identify that itchy rash. Just remember not all that itches is an uh, allergy to food or allergy in general. It can be something else entirely. So thank you.